Spiritual Awakening Radio. My name is James Bean. SpiritualAwakeningRadio.com is my website where you can visit to get caught up on past podcasts, links to podcasts hosted by HealthyLife.net, Positive Talk Radio. Access my blogs, articles, daily spiritual quotes via social media. There is a donate button on my website. There are links to Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Yahoo groups if you want to be on my mailing list. Lots going on. SpiritualAwakeningRadio.com Kind of a central page or site map to my various sites online, or at least some of them. (laughs) Welcome to today's program as I continue... Exploring the Ascension of the Soul, an ongoing series of programs exploring the heavens, exploring the spiritual realms, sometimes called levels, inner regions, heavens, or spheres. I prefer inner regions because these are heavens that are accessed within via meditation. So it is a kind of going up or ascension but an ascension that takes place within via meditation, a consciousness type of ascension through different realms of consciousness that one becomes aware of via meditation practice. In India, this form of meditation, this very out-of-body, near-death experience, ascension of the soul type meditation is called Surat Shabd Yoga. And there used to be a couple of other schools also uh, using the term Nada Yoga. And I don't know if those are still around, alive and well or not, but Nada Yoga means the yoga of sound, as in divine sound, inner sound, spiritual sound, transcendental hearing. And Surat Shabd Yoga means that very same thing. There are other stages to it, of course, uh, mantra, visualization, inner seeing in the darkness, transcendental seeing, as well as transcendental hearing the divine sound called Shabd, Shabnam. In Buddhism, uh, it's kind of a rare thing. I don't even know if it's ever made its way to North America, uh, as is often the case with Asian religion. Sometimes you get the lighter versions that make appearance here, but there are lost teachings or lesser known forms of Eastern religions that never really get understood outside of Asia. And this is certainly true in Buddhism. Uh, There is an example of transcendental hearing or inner sound meditation in Buddhism. There is a wonderful Buddhist sutra called the Srangama Sutra, which is all about uh, inner sound meditation and other uh, expressions of meditation and advocates a vegetarian diet in the context of Buddhism, and it's a very fascinating, one of my favorite uh, Buddhist sutras, the Srangama Sutra. Uh, Inner sound has turned up in the past, certainly in schools of mysticism, and may possibly still be surviving as a living practice in some forms of Sufism, Kabbalah, and Christian mysticism. I know of passages in Gnostic Gospels that describe inner sound and the ascension of various souls through 
heavenly realms. In the Ethiopian Bible, there is a book called The Ascension of Isaiah, which is a, a, an example of an apocryphal text, very much like the books of First and Second Enoch in the Ethiopian Bible, which describe the ascension of the soul through various heavenly realms, hearing music, hearing the sound of angels, and gaining revelations of various kinds, seeing various things, visionary as well as auditory mysticism. So this sort of thing is, is has been around for a very long time. The question is, how can living people in the 21st century access it? Great that there used to be people having wonderful banquets, dining in the past, but those accounts will not satisfy our own hunger here and now. We have to have our own living tradition and our own access to sustenance for the soul. These days, in this generation, in this time period, and certainly Surat Shabd Yoga is an example of uh, this as practiced by many various branches of uh, the Sant tradition of India, Radha Swami, there's also a more Buddhist version called the Kuan Yin method, uh, and some forms of Sufism may very well uh, continue this practice as well, although I, I really don't know my way around uh, Sufism. Sufism varies dramatically from order to, or, to order as far as what the path is like or what is presented for teachings, and it's fairly secretive. The older the school of spirituality, the more secretive it is hidden away behind some mountain somewhere. So it's kind of hard to tell, kind of hard to examine or compare uh, various schools of Sufism to see who's still teaching inner sound meditation in, Suf in Sufism. Hard to know. And it's kind of a secret thing for those meant to know only, for the eyes of those meant to know, sitting at the feet of a Sufi sheikh. So who knows, really? It's a difficult thing. So if you find yourself uh, with access to a living path, uh, consider yourself lucky. It's not an easy thing. Um, it's a most fortunate karma indeed. Favorable samskaras, as they say in India, if you know of such a living teacher, living path, and living mystical path that imparts instructions about the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven here and now, in this generation. This is a passage from Dionysus the Areopagite, a Christian mystic from Syria who lived many centuries ago, speaking to this question of initiation and access to the secret knowledge. Those who purify should bestow upon others from their abundance of purity, their own holiness. Those who illuminate as possessing more luminous intelligence, duly receiving and again shedding forth the light, and joyously filled with holy brightness, should impart their own overflowing light to those worthy of it. Finally, those who make perfect, being skilled in the mystical participations, should lead to that consummation those who are perfected by the most holy initiation of the knowledge of holy things which have been contemplated. A book called The Celestial Hierarchy by Dionysus the Areopagite. Speaking of the term initiation within a Christian context, just to show that it can exist there, <laughs> just to show that in times past, 
even in Christian mysticism, the idea of a living teacher who knows the way can share that with others and this communication of spiritual spiritual knowledge and instruction and indeed spiritual experience can be communicated to students uh, and the term initiation actually was used it's nice to see uh, I think there, uh, for those who have a western spiritual beginning uh, it's always very healing if you can take that with you uh, so it's not a matter of renouncing one religion in order to learn a meditation practice that comes from the East. You can take Jesus with you. In fact, you may discover that Jesus was uh, of the East the whole time. You may discover that, for instance, the Gospel of Thomas is a very mystical book, a, a book for contemplative souls. So uh, it's not uh, in error that you can do that. For instance, this is from the Nag Hammadi Library, uh, saying attributed to Christ, when I arrived, I opened a path and taught people about the way of passage for those who are chosen and solitary, who have known the Father and have pursued truth. That's a passage from Dialogue of the Savior, a Gnostic gospel found in the Nag Hammadi Library of Egypt. When I arrived, I opened a path and taught people about the way of passage for those who are chosen and solitary who have known the Father and have pursued truth. This is from Julian P. Johnson, The Path of the Masters. The world has never been without a living master. Beneath all other impelling forces in the creation, spirituality is the primary cause. That and that alone is the driving force that always leaps up to join its source. In every living being, from tiny plant up to a human being, the spiritual flame of life is struggling toward and onward toward its source of being. And this process and this struggle must go on until the last speck of dust returns to the central fires of infinite being. The message of the Masters fills the world with hope and at the same time it offers a rational foundation for such hope. It not only tells people what they should do, but it offers them a definite method of doing it. In the march of the ages, cycle after cycle, in every planet where human beings reside, the great masters are the light-bearers of that world. Until the end of the ages, they will remain the friends and saviors of those who struggle toward the light. Julian P. Johnson Path of the Masters There are several techniques described, the specific details of which are taught to students at the time of their diksha or initiation into the meditation practice of Surat Shabd Yoga, Transcendental Seeing, and the art of transcendental hearing in meditation in order for the soul to ascend within through these different levels of consciousness. One, developing a daily routine, a habit of meditating at the same time or times each and every day. Two, proper posture so that 
one is truly focused at the third eye and remains alert and awake. 3. Manas Jap, also known as Simran, also known as Zikr, also known as the prayer of the name, also known as a mantra or the repetition of divine names. A mantra repetition of a sacred word or words done mentally. Although you can do Simran verbally, at least briefly, short for a short period of time. You can even time it with your breath, you know, for a couple of times until you have uh, kind of settled down and begun your meditation. But immediately it becomes a mental repetition, a chanting of sacred names mentally with the tongue of thought with your mind, which draws you much further within and is much more powerful. Uh, and I'm reminded uh, of a quote by Swami Vyasanan from his new uh, Amazon Kindle book, which is, verbal Simran has a certain amount of power to it. Uh, Simran with breath, more powerful still. Kind of a mumbled Simran, better still. But mental repetition of sacred names is thousands of times more concentrated within. And that's why masters tend to recommend a mental repetition of sacred names. Four, step four, manas dion, the technique of mentally visualizing a form of God or one's spiritual master. It's a kind of warm-up exercise for inner seeing, which is step five. Dristi sadhana, the yoga of light, the technique of focusing upon an infinitesimal point in the darkness. This point will eventually blossom into inner light or visions of light. One gazes into the middle of the darkness or light one sees while in meditation. One passes from scene to scene and vision to vision, always looking toward the center. 6. Nada Sadna, a.k.a. Surat Shabd Yoga, the art of inner sound meditation or transcendental hearing hearing the sound coming from beyond the silence. The practice of inner spiritual hearing. And seventh, reaching the state known as Kavalya, or oneness with the Supreme Being in the pure conscious realm. The ultimate goal of this form of meditation is to merge into the upper level of Kavalya, a state beyond the sound the ultimate reality of God in the formless state, also described with terms such as Radhaswami, Lord of the Soul, Anami, the Nameless One. We give God various names, but God is beyond names, beyond sound, beyond light. Soundless God, that would be the term Anadi Parush, the Soundless One. And my personal favorite, Anurag Sagar, the ocean of love. As I like that metaphor of uh, the soul being like a drop, the sound current, or this inner light sound, audible light sound stream uh, that the soul rides uh, to shift its consciousness from the outer lower realms to the upper higher. Uh, it's like a river, and so the the drop of soul merges into the river of light and sound, and this empties out into the divine ocean, the ocean of love. I love that metaphor 
because it's such an accurate description of the meditation practice and in such a poetic, beautiful sort of way. And it also happens to be the name of a great Sant Mat spiritual classic known as the Anurag Sagar, the Ocean of Love, about the message of Guru Kabir. Uh, it's an ancient text. It wasn't really written by Kabir. Kabir was not a writer. Other people wrote down his words and then over generations uh, made a more systematic approach uh, of the teachings of Kabir. And eventually what evolves from that is a book called Anurag Sagar, which is a kind of cosmic gospel of Kabir, summarizing the teachings of Kabir. Some of those same teachings are also found in the Kabir uh, included in the Sikh scriptures, Adi Granth, uh, the Bijak, and other classic texts, Sakis of Kabir. Everything gets kind of summed up in the Anurag Sagar, which was published sometime, I think, in the 17th century. It's a bit of a debated point. But it is a beautiful text. Whoever wrote it, whenever it first uh, got published by the uh, path of Kabir, the the path of Dharam Das and Kabir Panth, summarizing this journey of the, the drop or the soul to the cosmic ocean of love, the ocean of the divine. Now, in previous episodes of this series, we're exploring uh, the astral plane, the causal plane, the mental plane, and describing some sights and sounds based on certain texts, uh, The Enchanted Land, a book by David Christopher Lane, my own uh, quotes and cullings from various uh, spiritual classics, also uh, Prempatra Radhaswami by Huzur Maharaj Rai Salagram Bahadur, the famous disciple of Swamiji Maharaj in Agra, and the book Radhaswami Reality by Professor Mark Jurgensmeyer, published by Princeton University Press. So, examples of academic texts that are on the dry side sometimes that uh, nevertheless have done a wonderful job cataloging the teaching. So I both uh, use traditional Indian sources and academic sources. And sometimes I, I lean toward the academic sources to resolve questions of, uh, you know, uh, who, who, where did uh, Dharam Das get his teachings from, or was there such a person as Ratnagar Rao, Sant Ratnagar Rao? I tend to lean toward the academic sources to resolve questions of history. Uh, but when it comes to meditation practice, the ancient wisdom of the ages is very much preserved in uh, traditional Indian uh, sources, uh, writings of various masters, and you can't beat that. Sometimes Western books uh, are good at uh, cataloging chakras and yugas and planes of consciousness, the, the spiritual guts, the, uh, the processor and motherboard of a mystical path, in a systematic sort of way. So those texts are useful. But after you've gone through that a little bit, you may, like me, uh, start preferring the poetry of uh, Kabir and Tukaram and Swamiji. And you start out with technical manuals, but you eventually go the direction of Bhakti Mark, the way of love and devotion, and tend to prefer hymns and, and poetry as a better way to do justice to this uh, path rather than charts and graphs and 
academic sources describing uh, planes of consciousness and so on. Uh, you're more likely to actually get there through love and devotion than through the path of the intellect. The name of the program is Spiritual Awakening. After the break, I will delve into the realm known as Banwar Gufa, the whirling cave vortex, which is a kind of waiting room to heaven, a kind of transitional realm from lower realms of duality to the first plane of pure eternal spirit, a kind of bridge from the lower worlds to the first spiritual plane. Stay tuned for more Spiritual Awakening Radio after these messages. Welcome back to Spiritual Awakening Radio on HealthyLife.net, Positive Talk Radio. My name is James Bean. It's great being here each week exploring the world. I explore the world of spirituality, comparative religion, meditation, and sacred texts, East and West. Quite often rare sacred texts, kind of coming from a, from a point of view of being informed of the lesser-known texts, spiritual classics from Asia, from India, from Egypt, some interesting texts, and meditation, also ahimsa, nonviolence and thought, word, deed, and diet. Banwar Gufa is part of the fourth heaven. It's a name which means whirling cave or whirling vortex, a kind of cave that's spinning. It's assigned certain names. The Sufi term for this level is Anahu. The soul exclaims, I am he, I am he. And in Hindi, the soul exclaims, Sohang or Soham. I am that, I am that describes a stage of consciousness where the soul, having transcended body, astral body, causal body, and mental body or mind, is this naked self. The soul has transcended its subtle bodies and exclaims, hey, this is real. This just got real. I am that. I am that. I am that. It's a stage of self-realization at a much greater level. The Whirlpool Cave connects the lower worlds of duality to the first spiritual plane above. So it's kind of the waiting room of God, if you will. It is a kind of transitional spiritual realm. The spirit thereafter went to Hutal Hut, which in Hindi has been described as Banwar Gufa. There is a rotating swing here which all the time is in subtle motion and the spirits ever swing on it all around. There are innumerable spiritual islands which the sounds of Sohang, Sohang and Anahu, Anahu 
ride all the time. Spirit entities playfully and rapturously enjoy these sounds, whiffs of scents of various kinds and sweet fragrance of sandal are enjoyed by the spirit there, and the melodies of flutes are heard while it proceeds onwards. Other characteristics of this region cannot be reduced to writing, as they can be realized by the spirit only when it reaches there after performing meditation practices. That's a quote by Shiv Dayal Singh, also known as Swamiji Maharaj or Sant Radhaswami Saheb, the great saint of Agra, one of the heavyweight mystics of the Sant tradition in recent centuries. From his Sarbachan Radhaswami Poetry, Volume 1, a section known, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, the Haida. Yat Nama, the esoteric teachings of Swamiji, which are really out of this world, literally. Upon arriving in Banwagufa, the soul's power to see, or nairat and surat, capability to hear, the spiritual ears of the soul, attain a state of satisfaction. This contentment, according to Seth Shivdayal Singh's account, is due to perceiving a most intriguing and wondrous structure within the tunnel, Rukmini Tunnel, in the entrance to the fourth region. Exactly what this site is has not been explained by any Radhaswami saint in print. Like all experiences in the upper regions, it must be encountered firsthand to be understood, not simply referenced in its decidedly mythological analogies. Vanwar Gufa is the funnel of the entire creative process from Sach Khand, the eternal spiritual realms, downwards. Its very name exhibits the tremendous power inherent within the region. It's called Whirling Vortex. The lord of this realm is termed as Sohang, I am that. A descriptive mantric term which implies a conscious intuition on the part of the soul with its higher identity. The soul, in other words, is starting to realize itself. The shabd currents in Banmargufa are so sweet and enchanting, according to the saints, that souls live entirely off its invigorating nectar desiring nothing but darshan of the presiding Lord and the manifestations of light and sound. The soul eats and drinks the inner light and sound. It is its sustenance, in other words. Kabir, the most famous of the medieval saints, describes in his writings, or at least those attributed to his pen, how hansas are pure spirits, heavenly birds, birds of heaven, live on spiritual islands with magnificent palaces for transmundane enjoyment. Baba Fakir Chand, in his Yogic Philosophy of the Saints, published in 1980, gives a more psychological interpretation of the meditator's experiences in the fourth region. Quote, when in the course of meditation man reaches this state of Banwar Gufa, he experiences that there was none except his own self. This center is compared with banwar, which means whirl, at the center of a wheel. At this center, a wheel rotates like a cradle, 
It means that at this center, a wave springs out of the surat of the meditator and again merges in its source, or say it rotates around its own source and produces the sound of sohong flute. The shabd of this center is so effective that the meditator enjoys the pleasure of being one with the Supreme Soul. Unquote. A description of the soul coming to know itself. The naked soul, free of encumbrances of lower realms, discovers its own self. That's a passage from the book Enchanted Land by David Christopher Lane, published by the MSAC Philosophy Group. Coming up after the break, we'll continue to explore the heavenly realms of Surat Shabd Yoga after these messages. Stay tuned. You're hearing Spiritual Awakening Radio. If you'd like to receive a copy of this series, The Ascension of the Soul in Written Form, I have the whole thing in writing in the form of a booklet, an e-booklet. It's at, it's at my blog also, as well as a PDF file. Just send me an email, and I'll be happy to send it to you. It describes uh, all of the heavenly realms and all of the material that I've made use of on uh, this uh, series thus far. My email address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com james at spiritualawakeningradio.com Just ask for the Ascension of the Soul e-booklet and I'll send a copy right to you or a link to this online so you can follow along or review everything. The Ascension of the Soul. The fifth through the eighth regions, I begin the process of describing the first spiritual realm. Now, how is it that this is the first spiritual realm, and we've already covered you know, several uh, different heavens at the same time? Uh, the lower heavens are considered to be in realms of time and space and are not necessarily so heavenly. You have the physical plane, or Pinda, the astral plane, or Anda, and then uh, Brahmananda. And, but these are considered realms of time and space, and not necessarily very heavenly. Uh, and you know, you have that same sort of tradition described in Western religions, too. Uh, like, for instance, uh, there is a passage from the scriptures, the, the, the Bible, that talks about there being war in heaven, like between various factions of angels. Well, what's so heavenly about war, right? What sort of heaven is it that you could have war in it? You know, that seems kind of strange at first to our ears. You know, how can there be war in heaven? Well, a very low heaven uh, that's not all that different from the physical plane. The astral plane is uh, considered not all that different. So you have lower heavens, 
And then at some point you have the first purely spiritual region. There's sort of a transition with Bon Morgufa that I just mentioned before the break uh, being kind of semi-eternal heavenly or fairly pure. And then when you get to the fifth plane, you enter that pure, eternal, timeless realm that resembles the true heaven is uh, is beyond uh, any sort of duality and strife and illusion, maya, all of those terms which are often used to describe lower heavens, lower realms. The fifth plane is known as Sachkhand, Satlok, true eternal realm, uh, Nirvana, Kavalya, oneness. I mentioned Sachkhand, which is a Sikh term, true eternal realm. The true eternal realm is divided into four subsections Satlok, the fifth plane, the true eternal realm, also called Sat Nam or true name, Sat Purush, the true original being. The sixth heaven, Alaklok, or invisible realm. The seventh heaven, known as Agem Lok, the inaccessible realm, a realm of nearness to the divine. And eighth, Anami, the nameless realm, also referred to as Radhaswami Lok. Radhaswami Dham, the abode of the Lord of the Soul, the Most High, ultimate reality, the eighth of the Gnostics, the eighth heaven, ocean of love, upper level of Kavalya, beyond the light and sound, the ultimate reality of God in the ultimate formless or Naguna state, which is soundless or soundlessness beyond the the veils of light and sound. So let me go over that again. Uh, the fifth plane is Satlok, the true realm associated with Satnam, true name, Satpurush, true original being. The sixth heaven, Alaklok, the invisible realm. Seven, Agemlok, the inaccessible realm, also described as nearness. And I think I borrowed that term from Kabbalah. It's a plane that is near God, very close to God, the doorstep of God, if you will. And then the eighth plane, the eighth heaven, which is the source, the ocean, the most high, Anami, Parush, nameless realm, also called Radhaswami Lok or Radhaswami Dham, the abode of the Lord of the soul, the most high, ultimate reality ocean of love, upper level of Kavalya, which is beyond light and sound, beyond form, an entirely different realm altogether. On crossing this place, the spirit entity reached the outpost of Satluk, where melodious sounds of Sat, Sat, and Hak, Hak, were heard. Truth, 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 sat, sat, hak, hak. Those are Hindi as well as Sufi terms for this realm. The realm of truth, sat, sat, hak, hak. These words were heard as though coming out of a vena or harp. On hearing this, the spirit penetrated further on rapturously. There rose to view 
a silver and golden streams full of nectar. There rose to view the silver and golden streams full of nectar, and vast gardens, each tree thereof is one core yojans in height, and crores of suns and moons hang from them as flowers and fruits. Innumerable spirits and hansas or birds of heaven sing, chatter, and play on these trees like birds. Now these these terms of measurements that are in this text, crores of uh, yojans, I mean, that's like millions of miles, okay? If you were translating that, that would be millions of miles. Well, after the break, I will delve into Satchkan, or Satlok, the fifth plane, the fifth heaven, and give you some description of this realm. You're hearing Spiritual Awakening Radio and a series devoted to the ascension of the soul. Spiritual Awakening Radio streams live every week at this time here on HealthyLife.net, Positive Talk Radio. Request a free copy of my e-booklet, The Ascension of the Soul, by emailing me at this address, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com, or visit my website, spiritualawakeningradio.com, and you can uh, use the contact tab to uh, send me an email if you like. Sachkhand, Satlok, the fifth plane, the plane beyond Banwar Gufa. On crossing this place, the spirit entity, in other words, the soul, I use those terms interchangeably, reached the outpost of Satlok, where melodious sounds of Sat, Sat, and Hak, Hak, were heard as though coming out of a vena. On hearing this, the spirit penetrated further on rapturously. There rose to view the silver and golden streams full of nectar and vast gardens. Now, as regards the glory of the person of Sat Parush, each hair of his is so brilliant that cores of suns and moons, millions of suns and moons, look pale in comparison. How may one describe his eyes, nose, ears, face, hands, and feet? They are all nothing but refulgence. Even to describe them as oceans of light does not give the remotest idea adequately. After witnessing the glory of this region, the spirit proceeded on to Alok Lok and got darshan or vision, contemplating the the image of Alak Parush. Thereafter, the spirit entity went on and attained Agem Lok. The spirit entity sojourned there for a long time. And on going beyond, it got darshan of Radhaswami, that is, Anami Parush, and merged in him. Radhaswami Dham is boundless, infinite, endless and immeasurable. 
it is a special resting place of saints or saints or fakirs. That region is the ultimate. And all speech and description end here. That's a passage from Shiv Dayal Singh from his Esoteric Teachings, which is part of Volume 1 of his Sarbachon Radhaswami poetry, describing visions of the upper spiritual realms, the realms of consciousness. The soul finally returns home. Finally, the soul finally ascends to the point where there is the pure, eternal state of the heavenly realms. Though it has been a long time coming, the soul, after traversing the lower realms, finally reaches its true home, Khan, the true eternal region, where even the subtlest duality between the spirit and God are transcended. The supreme being, Sat, Chit, Ananda, truth, existence, bliss, is found in its pure form only in this region, as all the saints stress. All of the previous planes of existence are but reflections of this infinite abode, according to the teachings of Swamiji Maharaj, a.k.a. Shiv Dayal Singh. And I do note the description of the brilliant light of this level, including the expression or manifestation of the Supreme Being at this level. Uh, in the Sant tradition, you have both Sarguna and Narguna elements. That is, at one level, God is described as having form, but at the ultimate level is beyond form. So at the Sat Lok level, we have Sat Parush described as this super brilliant being of light in a realm of light. Just light like millions of suns and moons put together. Just brilliant, indescribable light. And that's also very much a part of this uh, fifth plane of consciousness. On being admitted to Sat Purusha's court, the soul revels in delight, for the inner master has delivered what he promised, God-realization. However, a curious thing happens when the student beholds the Supreme Lord for the first time. The master is seen not as different from Sat Purush, but rather they are one and inseparable. All along it was not just a human being, or an inner spirit guiding the yearning soul, but according to the saints, the absolute itself. God is within everyone, and uh, in the end, it's a God leading God back to God. You know, I've described this process of uh, the ascension. How would a formless God communicate with souls that have, have come to uh, find themselves in this realm of creation? And by, by itself, the soul doesn't seem to have the discernment to extricate itself, doesn't have the divine grace to overcome all of the karma just for being here and all that goes on. So how does a formless supreme being, what's a formless supreme being to do? 
but to work through a, a living teacher on the physical plane to draw the soul back and then eventually the soul reaches the fifth plane again and then God with form there uh, its job the, the job of Sat Purush is to escort the soul back to the nameless formless God described as Lord of the Soul or Radhaswami. So the formless God uses forms to communicate, teach and guide and draw the soul back to himself, herself, itself again. That's how it works. Formless, working through forms. God is within everyone and so a living teacher acts as a kind of co-worker or conduit for the soul to return again to this level. So it's a fascinating process. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of the near-death experience that uh, people sometimes report. On next week's edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio, I will continue exploring the upper heavens, the realms of Sachkhand, planes 5, 6, 7, and 8 on the next edition of Spiritual Awakening. Yeah.